0: This beautiful winter morning, I'm telling you what, that air just nice and brisk this morning just feels good. I'm telling you what, good to be in the Lord's house. Brandon and I was talking just a little bit ago, you know, sometimes when it gets down really cold and you're out there after dark and the wind's blowing you're trying to break the ice out of the water trough, you know, the wintertime can get just a little bit difficult, but I'm telling you. I love living in an area where we have all four seasons. I'll tell you, there's I like every one of them and enjoy the Lord just blessing us. And you know what he said? Until he returns... They'll never stop. And so, boy, I'll tell you what, I thank the Lord for it. It's good to be in the Lord's house this morning. Good to see each and every one of you. Of course, this is the Christmas season, and so our focus is on the Savior. And so I'm going to read a passage of Scripture here this morning from Isaiah chapter number 11, verse 1 down through verse number 5. And in this passage of Scripture, we are given a prophetic description of of who our Savior will be. And so I'm going to read this this morning. I want you to follow along with us and consider the Savior that God sent to us. In Isaiah chapter number 11, starting in verse number 1, the Bible says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. What a savior that God has given unto us. Brother Corey, I'm going to ask if you would stand and open the service in a word of prayer, and then the choir is going to sing for us this morning. Lord,
1: we thank this time for I pray receive a blessing of my here today. We'll just uh, pray for those who are sick and not for being out. pray those go to the other body. for those who may be in way of traveling. we bring him back home session. we ask you about to a day. Bless We'll just give them a very word for saying here today. we just pray one month that they use we'll pray that today will be the day that you to trust in you. Lord, we just ask you, bless everything that's said and done. Let's acquire this thing. Lord, we just ask for all you do. Just do you just don't do Amen. Amen.
0: stand together as we sing, beautiful star
1: of Bethlehem. comes down and turn around and shake hands with folks by you.
0: Amen. Good to see each and every one of you. Thank you for being in the Lord's house this morning. I'm telling you what, no place I'd rather be than in the Lord's house. And I mean that. I have my best times in the Lord's house among God's people. Good to see you this morning. you be seated. I've got a couple of announcements to mention to you. and Then we'll get to receive our morning offering here in just a moment. First thing I want to mention to you, though, before I get into the announcements, is, boy, did that choir not sound good. I'm telling you what, that Gloria, they was doing there. I mean, I believe that's what the angels sounded like whenever they appeared to the shepherds. Well, I'm telling you what, they were sounding good. Appreciate the choir, the work and the practice. Appreciate Miss Jen, the work she puts in. Boy, they were sounding good this morning. Uh, children's play tonight. And so the kids been practicing and practicing. Uh, they were going to do this play last year. And then because of circumstances, we ended up having to cancel some services right there when they were supposed to be doing their play. And so they had practiced. It again, we were here yesterday for the rehearsal, and boy, I'm telling you what, they are ready, they are excited, and so looking forward to the children doing their program tonight, appreciate Brother Herman and uh, Miss Bonnie, and Brother Aiden, and the work that they've been putting into it, and so they'll be taking care of it tonight, so I'm just going to sit back and watch and listen, but uh, looking forward to the children's program tonight, so do your best to be here, make sure you're here, uh, support those children, encourage those children, and get a blessing, you will be blessed to be here and be a part of that, tell your friends and neighbors come on out and be a part of this service to invite them on out to that and then of course remember our adult cantata is this coming saturday evening so invite folks to that the choir's been working hard on that and i know that you will be blessed uh, by that program as well so that'll be this coming saturday night so do your best to come and be a part of that Uh, now I did mention that we would have some books and Bibles out for sale in case you wanted to buy a devotional uh, or a Bible as a gift or if you want to buy it just for yourself. uh, Maybe you want a devotional to go through next year or something like that. We have several available on the table. Now, in the past, I've put them out as display models and said, tell me which one you want and I'll order it. but we had trouble getting things here in time, and especially with the post office the way it is now, I'm just not gonna count on being able to get things here in time. So you see something you want, that's the one that's for sale. You can give Miss Lila or myself the money and you can take it home. Let us know which one you bought and I'll order one to replace it. And so that's how we'll do that. But anything you see there, uh, two of the Bibles there are of mediocre quality. Most of the Bibles there are a little better quality than what you would get at your local bookstore. They have better leather, better bindings. They're better quality Bibles. Tend to last longer, and so uh, if you're looking for a nice Bible, there's some there. And if you have a Bible that you want, you're like, this is what I want. Can you get a Bible with these features? Let me know what you want because there is an enormous array of Bibles available. Uh, Matter of fact, there's a Bible over there for sale that Brother Dave and Brother Randy said this is what we want. And I like to never found it. I'm like, well, do they make this Bible? And when I finally found it, I ordered an extra one to put up here for y'all for sale. But uh, there's all types of Bibles. If you like a certain type of Bible, a certain size, a certain font, most likely I can get you a good quality Bible, find you one uh, that would meet your needs. So let me know, hey, this is what I'm looking for. I'd be happy to try and order something for you like that. And so uh, that's available for you. And then the devotionals are there. Uh, all of the devotionals are $20 except for the, there's some little small ones on the far right, uh, they are $5, all the rest of the devotionals are $20, uh, and then the Bibles are priced individually, so hope that'll be a blessing to you if that's something that you're interested in. Next Sunday, uh, we will have a special Christmas service, uh, so we will have a regular Sunday school at 11 o'clock, uh, we'll be uh, having a, a Christmas message, you know, and uh That And then after the service, we'll be going downstairs uh, for Christmas dinner together, having Christmas dinner after the dinner. uh, I'm going to have a Bible story time with the children, read some Bible stories to them, Christmas stories. Then after that, we'll be presenting some gifts uh, to some folks in the church. And so just going to be a good time of fellowship Uh, next week. We won't have an evening service because of the dinner and things uh, be running this late. And so uh, we'll not have an evening service, but looking forward to that special service. Now, some folks have been asking, what about the meal? Uh, Now, we are uh, providing the chicken and the ham. So, the church will be providing the meat. uh, But we do ask, if you can, to bring a side and a dessert, enough for your family and a little bit extra. Bring that with you. And that's how we'll provide the sides and the desserts. So, we'll provide the meat. You bring the sides and desserts. And we'll have a great time of fellowship together. If you have any questions about the dinner, uh, be sure to see Miss Bonnie. She is the one taking care of that and heading that up. And so, uh, thank the Lord for that. All right. We can get our ushers to come forward. Uh, We'll get ready to receive our morning offering. Also, on... uh... The Wednesday before Christmas, uh, we will be going Christmas caroling, and if you are interested in going Christmas caroling with us, there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer. If you could put your name on that, so that we can know how many to expect, so we can have an idea of how many folks we can reach, uh, we would appreciate that if you could get your name on that list. Brother Marvin, would you pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the offering? Father,
1: Blessed well, just ask the blessing upon the service today that uh, speaks to us, open up our hearts, and, and maybe see your word that goes forth today. Christ's name is praying.
2: Amen. Amen.
3: Are you unsafe?
1: Beautiful song. All right, we're going to sing. There's a song in the air. Pastor John comes this morning, but Danny Grove's gonna come and sing for us.
0: Man, amen. Thank you, Brother Danny. Appreciate that. Man. I normally turn my mic on while Brother Danny's singing, and I just got so caught up in the song, I forgot to turn my mic on. Hey, amen. But uh, it's good to be in the Lord's house this morning. Thank you, Miss Jen. Appreciate the song she sang. Appreciate Brother Danny. I was thinking about it. As they were singing, Miss Jen was singing, Come. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done, you can come. You can come. You can come. And she's inviting us to come to the Savior. Brother Danny is uh, singing about holding that little babe, and Joseph looking at that little babe and recognizing that this was the Savior of the world. Boy, I'm telling you what, I cannot imagine the thoughts that went through Joseph's mind as he was looking and recognizing that this was the Savior of the world. Of course, as Brother Danny's saying, it was overwhelming. How was he going to raise a king? But at the same time, I believe that he was overwhelmed at the fact that he understood why he needed a Savior. And here he said looking at that Savior. You see down through time, all down through time, God allowed man to realize his need for a Savior. All down through time he allowed man to recognize their inability. He allowed man to recognize that they were incapable of earning heaven. They did the sacrifices. They did the rituals. Uh, They shed the blood. They tried to wash away their sin and over and over and over and over again the truth was driven home that they were unable to take care of their sinful condition and then the Bible tells us but when the fullness of time was come when man fully recognized his inability he fully recognized that he was unable to bring himself to a place of redemption in the fullness of time. God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, and the reason He sent Him forth was that He might redeem mankind, that He might die, that He might provide a way of salvation. And Brother Dan, I didn't know you was going to sing that song, but I believe as Joseph looked at the Savior laying in his arms, he realized that it is time to worship because of who the Savior is. Without a doubt, without a question, I am in need of a Savior and now I am beholding the Savior. And whenever you recognize how hopeless you are and how helpless you are and how incapable you are and how, uh, how dire your situation is because of your sin before the judgment of God, when you see the Savior, you are brought to a place of worship. And this morning we're going to be preaching on that subject. Tis the season for worship. Tis the season for worship. As we think about the newborn king, as we think about the Savior being born, it is the season for worship. We'll be looking at two passages of scripture this morning. We'll begin in Matthew chapter number two, and then in just a little bit, we'll be going to Psalm 95 and looking at this thought. Tis the The season for worship. In Matthew chapter number 2 we read the story of the wise men and we know that story very well of the wise men that followed the star and they traveled and they came there at the birth of the Savior. But I want to read verse 1 and verse number 2 and then we're going to drop down to verse number 11 and just read the first part of the verse. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 2 verse number 1 Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now if you would drop down to verse number 11 in the first part of the verse, it says, And when they were come into the house... They saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped Here we see that the wise men, uh, however they recognized, whatever brought it to their attention, they realized uh, that a Savior had been born. This star uh, communicated to them the birth uh, of the Savior uh, and they journeyed from the east uh, to Jerusalem. And When they arrived in Jerusalem, they asked, uh, where was he born? And they said, the reason we need to know where he's at, uh, the reason we're interested uh, in finding his location, is because we have come to worship him. And then in verse number 11 it says that when they found the house, they came in and they seen him and they worshiped him. I'm telling you the thing that will bring you to a place of worship is whenever you recognize that this person, this babe, is the one who is able to deliver you from the condemnation of of sin. The wise men were knowledgeable of the scriptures. The wise men Understood the significance of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The wise men understood that this babe that had been born was going to be the one who would provide the propitiation for their sin. They understood that this man would be the one that would deliver them. This man was the promised Messiah. This was the man that would change the course of the world forever. This man was the one that would change the course of mankind forever. And because they recognized his significance, they recognized who he was, they recognized what he could do for them, the only thing they wanted to do when they got into his presence was worship him. You know what, I believe a lot of times uh, we take the Lord Jesus Christ uh, for granted. Uh, We take His sacrifice uh, for granted. Uh, We take what He's done for us uh, for granted. Uh, And many times uh, we fail to simply worship Him. The wise men showed up and they said, We have come to worship Him I want us to go over to Psalm 95, and here in Psalm 95 is a passage of Scripture that I believe directs us how and why to worship the king. So we're going to go over here to Psalm 95, and this morning I want us to look at the subject of worshiping the king in the same way that the wise men traveled, that they might worship him I want us to look this morning at how and why we ought to worship the Savior. The Bible says in Psalm 95 in verse number 1, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with songs. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is His also. The sea is His and He made it. And His hands formed the dry land. O come, come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the sheep or the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, dear Lord, that you have made a way that, Lord, unworthy, sinful mankind can be delivered from the impending judgment because of our unworthiness. I thank you, dear Lord, that you uh, took on the body uh, of a man and you came and you lived here on this earth. Uh, Lord, you experienced uh, life. You experienced hardship. Uh, You experienced a day-to-day that we experience. Uh, Lord, you were tempted in every way like as we were. Uh, Then, Father, you went through this life and Lord at the end of your life you lay it down Lord that we might have a way of salvation and Father Lord we come before you this morning and Lord our desire is that we might worship you for who you are and what you have done for us Father I pray that you will bless your word this morning I pray dear Lord that you will fill me I pray dear Lord that you will speak through me Lord you know what needs to be heard this morning you know what needs are in the congregation Lord you know who is here You know the struggles that they're facing. You know the conviction that is in their heart. Uh, Father, I pray that you will use me as your vessel. Lord, that you will speak through me. And Father, Lord, that through this message, uh, Lord, we as your people will be brought uh, to a place uh, of adoration of you and who you are. And Lord, if there be one here that has never accepted you as Savior, Father, Lord, that today, 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 you will show them uh, their need for a Savior. And Father, I pray that that you'll bring them to a place of repentance. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for sending your Son. Bless now as we look into your Word, and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and a man. When we look in this passage of Scripture, David here is worshiping the Lord. David is acknowledging God for who God is. David, if you read the Psalms, was a man who was constantly overwhelmed with the goodness of God. He is someone who was constantly in awe of the awesomeness of our God. David was someone who readily recognized his insignificance in comparison to the magnificence of the God that he served. And as David wrote through the Psalms, his Psalms are often songs of worship that he lifted up before God because of who God was to him. And here in Psalm 95 we see that David is worshiping the Lord. And as we look down through this Psalm, we see two things that I want to point out to you this morning. First of all, we will see that David shows us how we ought to worship when we come before the king. And then second, he will show us reasons for worshiping the king. And so this morning, I want us to look very quickly this morning at these two things. First of all, how... To worship, how to worship. Many times we talk about worship. Many times we say we come to church to worship. Uh, Many times we say that as Christians we ought to worship. Uh, But many times uh, it is just a term uh, that we hear, it's a terminology that we use uh, that we never put uh, into practicality. We never really understand exactly what it is uh, that we're supposed to do. How is it uh, that I'm supposed to go about uh, worshiping God? Now there's many ways that you can, but David covers a few of those in this passage this morning. Let's start by looking in verse number 6 uh, where David says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. I believe that we see here that whenever we worship The king, first, we are to worship in humility. David said, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. We are to worship in humility. In bowing down before our creator, we are symbolizing that I understand that He is greater than me. I understand that He is more powerful than I. I understand that He holds my breath in His hand. I understand that the life that I live is a gift from the Almighty Creator. And when I bow before Him, I am humbling myself before the one that created heaven and earth. I am recognizing his magnificence and my insignificance and I am letting him know, I am communicating to him that I understand that he is far beyond and above me. Whenever we worship the king, the first step in properly worshiping the king is that we approach him in humility. We approach him understanding who we are and who he is. We should never come before God in an arrogant or a haughty or a look at me, what I've done type of spirit. The Bible tells us that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Oftentimes we use that verse in reference to lost folks trying to earn their salvation and it definitely applies there because there is never enough good that you can do that would merit heaven. But in the same token, whenever we look at that verse as a saved person, all the righteousness that I can do, all the good that I can do, all the merit that I do, all that I accomplish for the cause of Christ, whenever I place it beside the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ all that I have accomplished all the good that I have truly done is as filthy rags beside the purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever I recognize that I am unworthy it changes the way that I approach the Savior. Whenever I think that I am worthy, Whenever I feel that I am all that, whenever I feel that I am accomplishing things, whenever I feel that I am somebody in the work of the Lord and I come to God with a haughty spirit, with a look what I have accomplished type of spirit, I am not coming in a spirit of worship. Whenever I worship, I must come with an humble, broken down, contrite spirit, understanding who He is and who I am. When we worship the King, we first uh, must worship in humility, but then secondly, we must worship uh, in reverence. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. You say, well, this sounds like the same thing. It is similar, but it's very different. Whenever I talk about humility, I'm talking about understanding who I am. When I talk about reverence, I'm talking about understanding who he is. Humility says, uh, I understand that I am nothing. Uh, Reverence says, uh, I understand that you are everything. Uh, Humility says, uh, I can do nothing. Uh, Reverence says, uh, you uh, can do everything. Uh, Humility says, uh, I am worthless. Uh, uh, Reverence says, uh, you are worthy. Uh, Humility says, uh, I cannot accomplish it of my own power. Uh, Reverence says, uh, I can do all things through Christ uh, which strengtheneth me. Uh, Whenever we worship the Lord, we come uh, in humility, understanding who I am, uh, but we come in reverence, uh, acknowledging uh, who He is. Whenever you come with those two things in place, uh, humility and reverence, uh, you will enter into uh, a place of worship. We see that we need to worship with humility. We need to worship with reverence. But then if you go up to verses 1 and 2, we see some action. So far we have talked about a mindset, humility and reverence. But in verses 1 and 2, we see the action that goes along with the mindset when we worship the king, how to worship. David said, knowing David, knowing who David was, David is the great songwriter of the Word of God. And David said, I wouldn't expect anything less of him. In verse number 1, he says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. How do I worship the king? First, there's a mindset, humility, and reverence. And then there's an action. And the first action that we see here is singing. Now, I don't know if you recognize this or not, but the Lord loves for His children to sing. Now, His other children may not love for you to sing, (laughs) but the Lord loves to hear His children sing. The Lord loves for His people to sing unto Him. The Bible says, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. This is something that God wants His children to do. Every person who is a born-again child of God ought to be a person who sings unto the Lord, What do we sing about when we're singing to the Lord? We sing about our humility and His reverence. We sing about our inability and His capability. We sing about the fact that He's the Savior. We sing about the fact that He's the Redeemer. We sing about the fact that He took someone that was worthless and undone, and He delivered us. We sing about the fact that He picked us up out of the miry clay, and He set our feet on a rock, and He established our goings. We sing about our relationship. We worship Him in song. And I believe that it is vitally important that every Christian be a person whose heart is filled with singing unto the Lord. Now, I didn't realize that I was going to run off on this rabbit trail I'm getting ready to run off on to, but it just seems like the Lord's directing me this way. So we're going to run over here real quick, all right? People ask me, Pastor John, what is wrong with secular music? There's there's nothing wrong with secular music, is there? And I, I will readily tell you, there are a lot of secular songs that there's nothing wrong with. I mean, when you're singing about cornbread and pinto beans and, I mean, you're, you're, you're singing about, you know, good old down-home living and, and the things that you love and the things that you enjoy and you listen to those secular songs and you can connect with those secular songs and it reminds you of home or, or maybe it reminds you of family and you're like, Pastor John, there's nothing wrong with that. No, nope, there's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. But if the only thing that is ever playing... On your CD player, excuse me, I'm being vintage here, aren't I? The only thing that's playing on your iPod is secular music and you're never speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You are making it impossible for you to do what God has commanded you to do because every time you break forth in song you are singing about your earthly experiences. You are singing about this uh, this mortal earth. You are singing about this imperfection and that is what you're constantly singing about and God said my people need to worship me and they need to worship me by singing about me. They need to worship me by singing to me. They need to worship me by lifting their hands up in praise. I want to say is it wrong to listen to secular music. No, I'm not going to say that you're going to go to hell for singing secular music, but you sure are going to miss out on some good fellowship between you and the Savior if you don't learn to speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. How do we worship Him? We sing to the Lord. But then the second Practical application of how do we worship. We see there in verse 1 and 2 again it says, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. First of all, we worship the Lord through song, but then the second way that we see David describing here in this passage of Scripture that we worship the Lord is through audibly praising the Lord audibly praising the Lord. I don't know what the deal is, but somehow, along the way, somebody communicated that church was to be a very pious situation. That we were to sit in our pews Unmoved, unstirred, unshaken, unsmiling, (laughs) until it was over. And then we went home. And it's accepted. It's how a lot of churches operate. And a lot of times when you find somebody in a church house uh, who wants to audibly uh, praise uh, the Lord for his goodness, uh, all the other saints... uh... (laughs) What's the matter with you? Why are you acting like that? Do you not realize you're in church? Let me just explain something to you right here real quick. I'm just going to touch on this and move on. That pious attitude in the church house is nowhere in this book. Nowhere. You will not find it in this book. You know what you find in this book? You find that the Bible says he wants us to make a joyful noise. That means he wants us to be loud. Have you ever heard noise that was quiet? No, noise isn't quiet, noise is loud. You find in this book, he says when you worship me, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, when you worship me, he said I want you to let the The world know that you are excited about me. How do we worship? I'm just trying to put this in practical shoe leather. Worshiping God is to be audible. It is to be seen. It is to be visible. Folks are to know and to understand that you appreciate who your Savior is. How do we worship? First, there's a mindset. I'm nothing. And he is everything. And you cannot worship until you enter that mindset. But then once you enter that mindset, it is natural to become overwhelmed with your recognition that you are nothing and he is everything and that he loved you anyway. That you are nothing and He is everything. And yet He sent His Son to die for you. That you are nothing and He is everything. And yet He left the realms of glory to take on the body of a human and to live on this earth and to suffer and to bleed and to die for you. And you begin to recognize that and it gets overwhelming and you cannot help but audibly praise the Lord. I want to say that we need to start obeying the Word of God and learn to start worshiping the Savior. It is a season of worship. David tells us here how to worship with humility, with reverence, with singing, and with praise. But then secondly, I want to look at some reasons for worship. And David gives us several reasons that we ought to worship the Lord, And we could probably just park and preach on every one of these as a message in and of themselves, but we'll just try to move through them quickly this morning. If you look in the Psalm 95, David gives us several reasons. The first reason that he gives us is in verse number 3 where he tells us that we ought to worship Him because of His position. He says, For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. We ought to worship him for his position. Now I just want to mention right here, and I love how David started this. He said, for he is a great God. Before he got over here to his position, he stopped and talked about his personality just a little bit. You see that our God is not like other gods. Every other God that man has ever devised and thought up, every other God is focused on themselves and their own benefit and their own gain. But our God is not that way. He is a great God. You see, our God, before the beginning of time... He existed in eternity past. He was the ruler and controller of everything. He was the one supreme being that controlled and had dominance over everything. He was righteous in who he was and he had complete control. Any paternity passed. But he said, I want to create a creature that I can fellowship with. I want to create a creature that I can I can communicate with I can talk with uh, someone that we can have a relationship together so God in his wisdom uh, created uh, the world that we live in Uh, he created the universe uh, that we see Uh, he created uh, everything that we know and see and understand he made it all and then he created man. And he said, man, in there in the garden. And he said, I want to have a relationship with mankind. But I do not want it to be a forced relationship. I want it to be a willing relationship. Therefore, I will give to him a free will to choose whether he will have fellowship with me or whether he will go his own way. Because of the free will, we know that Adam and Eve took the fruit of the tree. They disobeyed God. And and they broke the relationship. Now, don't forget who I, when I told you who this was. The supreme being, the ruler of everything, righteous, supreme, in control, no one to answer to, who created man of his own will and desire. And he made man, and he put man on the earth. That man might have a relationship with him and the man disobeyed God. At that moment, God could have destroyed everything he created and been perfectly righteous in doing so. But he said, no, I will make a way that that relationship can be restored. And he sent his son be born in a manger, to live his life, to give his life, that that relationship might be restored, that man could have fellowship with God. David said, for our God is a great God. We can worship him because of who he is. He is. Not only do we see who he is in his actions toward us, but we see also uh, his position above all the earth. It says, and a great king above all gods. We can worship him because there is none, there never has been, and there never will be any that can raise above and be superior to the God that we serve. He is a great God above all gods. Ephesians 1.21 says, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in also in that which is to come. We can worship Him for His position. Secondly, we can worship Him for His possessions. We can worship Him for His possessions. It says there in verse number 4 and verse number 5, In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the heels is his also the sea he is. he is. We know that the Bible teaches us that everything that we see belongs to God. Why is it that Christians ought not have to worry? Because everything belongs to our Father. Why is it that we shouldn't have to fret and be concerned about whether or not things will be taken care of? Because everything belongs to our Father. We can worship Him because of what He possesses. He possesses all the physical that we see around us. But then not only can we worship him for his possessions, but we can worship him for his power. Look at the end of verse number 5. It says, and he made it. Well, isn't that just something? Now, maybe that don't do nothing for y'all, but I got excited when I was reading this chapter. It said the mountains are his, the valleys are his, the sea is his, everything you can see is his, and here's why it's his, because he made it. Now, we know You're like, Pastor John, why'd that excite you? We we know he's the creator. I just hadn't got over it yet, okay? Y'all be patient with me. and he made it. Everything you see belongs to him because he is the creator. He is the designer. He is the one that put it in place. And don't forget, he made it, he designed it, and he put it in place for our benefit. It says, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. John chapter number 1 verse number 3 says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Made. we can worship him for his position we can worship him for his possessions we can worship him for his power but then we see in verse number seven that we can worship him for his provision it says there in verse number seven for he is our God and we are the people of of his pasture. Does that not remind you of Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. I want to say that we can worship him because of his provision. You say, what has he provided for you? Everything, everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that I enjoy has been provided for me by my Savior. And until you recognize that, you'll not enter into a place of worship. But whenever you begin to recognize that every breath you take, every step you take, the life that you live, everything you possess is given to you out of the abundance of a loving Father, it will bring you to a place where you want to worship Him for for his provision for you. He's provided me material things. He has provided me physical things. But then I want to say that far above and beyond anything physical or material that he has provided for me, he has provided for me spiritual things. Boy, I tell you what, we can worship him that he has provided salvation for you and I. Not only can we worship Him for His provision? I told you I was going to try to be fast. I'm trying to be fast. All right? I'm, I see the clock. Not only can we worship Him for His provision, but we can worship Him for His protection. For His protection. He said there in verse number 7, For He is our God and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. What do we get from when it includes that we are the sheep of His hand? Psalm 23 and verse number 4 says, Yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know what, as we go throughout this life, every one of us are going to face difficulties. Every one of us are going to face hardships. I imagine if we was to just stop the sermon now and we was to go through the congregation and you felt comfortable to share that every person in here could tell us of some situation varying in detail but all heavy and heartfelt that is weighing on probably every person in the congregation. But I can worship Him because it doesn't matter what I'm facing. It doesn't matter what valley I'm going through. It doesn't matter what burden is on my heart. It doesn't matter what is troubling me. His hand is guiding me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when I am at my lowest point, when I feel that there is no hope, when I feel that there's nowhere else to turn, when I feel that I've come to the end of my rope, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me always there, always beside us, always protecting us. We can thank Him and praise Him and worship Him for His protection. But then last of all, in verse number 7, we can worship Him for His promise. He said there in verse number 7, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. This is talking about those that have accepted Him and what we've benefited. Now the psalm turns we could read through the rest of the psalm, but we're just going to read this phrase. The psalm turns to those that haven't accepted him. And he says, today, if you will hear his voice, we can praise him for his promise. The Bible says in Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, will hear my voice and open the door. I will come in and sup with him and he with me. You see, all the way back there in the garden when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and they sinned against God and the relationship was broken and God said, I want to make a way that mankind can be redeemed and he sent his son who lived, who suffered, who bled and died that man might be delivered from the judgment for their sin, that love that God had for Adam and for mankind at that point is the same love that He has all the way over here generations later. And every person who is born on this earth who is guilty of sinning against an almighty God who is facing eternal judgment, He says, Today, if you'll hear my voice, today, if you'll open the door, today, if you'll respond to my call, today, I will deliver you from the coming judgment today. We can worship him because he promises that whosoever will may come. We can worship him because of his promise. I want to say that I'm a recipient of that promise and I can worship Him because there was a day when He birthed me into the family of God. Each and every one of you here this morning that's accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can rejoice because of that promise because there was a day when He birthed you into the family of God. But I believe that there's some here in this building this morning that have not yet accepted the Savior. There are some here who are facing eternal judgment There are some here who are guilty of sinning against an almighty God and they've never repented. They've never told God that they were a sinner. They've never admitted their ungodly condition and they're going on living a life of recklessness and carelessness and they're going to face eternal judgment unless they accept His call. How foolish is it for man to insist on living in rebellion to God when God is standing with his arms wide open saying, today, if you'll hear my voice, today, today I'll deliver you. Today I'll give you salvation. Today I will redeem you. Today come to me. See, it doesn't matter how good any of us think we are. It doesn't matter how many good things we've done. It doesn't matter how moral we've lived. Whenever you compare the best of us to the righteousness of the Savior, it becomes evident just how filthy we are. And it doesn't matter how good man may think we are if we have never repented of our sin. If we have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for our eternity. Then you are facing judgment. Now folks will say How could a loving God throw a good person like me into hell? How could he do that? It seems like a logical question until we think about it honestly. Because God says, I want you to choose. But I am standing here with arms wide open. I'm leaving it up to you but I am begging you to come to repentance." I'm leaving it up to you, but I'm letting you know ahead of time that if you don't come to me, you will suffer for eternity. I'm leaving it up to you, but I'm letting you know that if you'll come to me, you will live a life of bliss in eternity that I cannot describe to you. I'm leaving it up to you, but I'm begging you to come to me. So whenever you ask the question, how could a good God put a person like me in hell? God isn't the one who does it. You put yourself there. He is begging you to come to Him. And this morning, we can worship Him because of His promise. The wise men journeyed from the east to Jerusalem. Now, there's a lot of speculation about how long that trip took. Some assume that Jesus was still in the manger. Some assume that He may have even been a couple years old when the wise men arrived. But there's no question that they journeyed for quite some time. They didn't have modern transportation. They traveled across rough terrain and not so great of uh, transportation vehicles a long way. They came to Jerusalem, weary, tired travelers. The king's company said, how can we help you? They said, we have come to worship him. They understood who he was. It was worth the it was worth the travel, it was worth the hardship, it was worth the difficulty, it was worth the time, because he was worthy of the worship. My question this morning is, are we worshiping him? I'm gonna ask each of you, stand to your feet, Miss Debbie's gonna to come to the piano. Christians, let's not get so wrapped up in modern, everyday life that we forget to worship the Savior. Let's not get so haughty and stuck up that we refuse to worship the Savior. Let us enter into a place of humility and reverence to where we lift our arms in worship to the one who is worthy. Christians, let's not get to a place that we fail to worship. But then this morning, I also want to say to those that's never accepted Christ, you're facing judgment, and we're trying to warn you. I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't several in the building this morning that have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The reason we celebrate Christmas is because a Savior was made available for you and I, so that we could be born again. No better time to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ than today. As Miss Debbie plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart, you come. season for worship. We sing the song, Oh, come, let us adore him. He is worthy of our worship. Let's make sure the world knows that we are worshiping the one who can change the world. Worship. He's worthy of of worship. Don't forget to be here tonight. Boy, I'm telling you what these kids have practiced and practiced and practiced and they are excited and they look good doing it. So be here tonight and watch the presentation. Be encouragement to the children and receive a blessing Be at 6 o'clock. Brother Ted, would you pray and dismiss us. Father
1: God, we thank you so much for this season when we can bring to remembrance the fact that our Lord and Savior came as a child. And we can worship him for what he did during his lifetime. Father, part of worship is being faithful. Part of being faithful is being in church. And may we come tonight and encourage these young people who have done so much work to put on this show for us that we might appreciate Jesus Christ for what he did we pray father that if there is one in this house today who knows not the lord jesus as his savior that this will be the day that he will grant someone and have them show him or her who jesus is through the word of god father be with us today have us to come back at the next appointed time We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.